Hello everyone, uh, I'm Quinn Dunlap, and I'm going to be talking about the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986 that was passed by um, Ronald Reagan as part of the War on Drugs. Uh, this podcast is part of a project I'm doing for a class called Race in America, where we talk about um, race-related issues of the United States. Um recently and according to history. So I'm just going to be talking about the racial implications of the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, or ADAA, um, the racial implications of this act. So um, basically, the act unfairly targeted African Americans because it targeted minority street-level dealers. Uh, The act created an unfair mandatory minimum and resulted in a higher incarceration rate of black Americans. Um, So a little context, um, according to Daryl Brown of encyclopedia.com, the war on drugs technically began in the 1970s, as began by um, Richard Nixon. Um, He called the epidemic of drugs public enemy number one. Um, But the ADAA was considered the high point of the metaphorical war. Um, in 1986. However, we still see some of the implications today. The act was in response to the overdose of the University of Maryland basketball star uh, Len Bias. Uh, He was at a party and overdosed on on cocaine, and um, it kind of sparked public outrage. Um, he was supposed to be a really, really good basketball player and was supposed to go into the NBA, but his death kind of just created a, a kind of uh, demand among Americans for something to happen. So um, Reagan um, did this. And these are one of Reagan's um, kind of overlooked acts. Um, and it just kind of had a lot of... <laughs> negative implications, you could say, but we'll get into that in just a second. And before I talk about the act's racial implications, um, I'll talk about the act's other contents. So, for instance, uh, encyclopedia.com once again states that um, the act allowed the U.S. government to raise tariffs on foreign countries who didn't help to stop drug exports. Um, So if a country didn't, like Mexico, didn't stop dealers from doing their from uh exporting say um cocaine to the United States we could raise tariffs on them and um the ADAA was also the first act that explicitly um was set up against money laundering um which was estimated to make up 40 to 80 billion percent or dollars of uh drug profits um however um kind of the meat of the act um which has to do with the racial implications um are as so so for instance um there are actually two different kinds of cocaine that made a huge difference in the act so the first one is well there's actually no chemical difference between powder cocaine and crack cocaine except that crack cocaine was sold at a lower street level and usually by more african-american communities especially in the 80s, um, even even now, and that's why we see this problem, because of the, the uh, poverty, uh, the poverty line, and the 
almost racial poverty line that we see today, unfairly, that, you know, this act has made worse. Um, and the powder cocaine was sold by um, more white, uh, white dealers because uh, it costs a lot more money. And uh, so, surprise, surprise, the act unfairly targeted crack cocaine users um, because according to the, Ameri- the American Civil Liberties Union, or as I'll refer to it from now on, the ACLU, uh, 73% of defendants in court were low-level crack dealers selling crack cocaine. Um, despite the huge uh, amount of powder cocaine being sold uh, nationally. Um, and according to Karen De- Devins, a third-year law student at Duke in about 2012 when this interview was done by NPR, um, half of African-American congressmen in 1986 supported the ADAA, um, which suggests that it wasn't initially um, racist. Like I said, um, you know, the act was in response to the death of that one basketball player. So, you know, public outcry kind of favored something like this. However, you know, with the with the heavy presence of white lawmakers, even more so in the 80s, um, you know, no wonder the act was, you know, so blatantly um, racist. And, and Devins also says that the act exposed an irreducible emergent behavior of the criminal justice system. And that is why... You know, it wasn't initially racist, but it kind of exposed this this behavior, as Devin speaks of, um, in the criminal justice system as a result of um, the act. And um, next is the mandatory minimum, which I talked about earlier, and we'll kind of define that here. So the ACLU claims that the mandatory minimum in the act established that distributing five grams of crack required a mandatory minimum of five years in prison, while 500 grams of powder cocaine, remember the ones sold by white dealers, uh, requires the same sentence, five years. So basically, the... uh, the same sentence for completely different quantities, which on a, which was completely biased towards um, white dealers because it gave them less time for more drugs. Um, so obviously this is unfair, and, you know, time in prison for this is, um, you know, a different debate, but, you know, it, it, it just doesn't seem uh, proportional, you could say. And um, Devins also adds that the mandatory minimum rules made it easier for, uh, quote, plea bargaining. Um, instead of facing a longer sentence or conviction with the ju- that the judge could do, um, low-level dealers would plea guilty instead of facing harsher consequences, which therefore raised the levels of African-American dealers in prisons. Um, due to the disproportional, um, even more so in the 80s, uh, poverty rate among African Americans, uh, they didn't really have as much bargaining power as, say, you know, a white cocaine dealer could have, so they kind of had to plead guilty, and they didn't have the same luxury as white dealers, which would make it so that they're, uh, they were disproportionately represented in prison. And finally, this leads into the higher incarceration rate of African Americans. 
Um, we see this injustice because according to the ACLU, recent studies show that 15% of America's drug users are African Americans, despite making up 37% of the people arrested for drug violations, 59% of those who are convicted, and 74% sentenced for drug abuses. So the number just keeps getting higher and higher when, in terms of who's getting left off the hook, and unfortunately, African Americans aren't in result of this act. And also, 80% of defendants sentenced for crack um, use are African Americans, while over 66% of users are white or Hispanic. <laughs> if if something doesn't stick out about that uh, that statistic, um, you might be looking at it wrong because um, that seems highly disproportional and, and unfair. And, and even worse, um, before the 1986 Anti-Drug Abuse Act, um, the time spent in jail for African Americans was 11% higher than other Americans. And after the act was passed, the percentage was 49% higher, which obviously is a positive correlation that isn't so positive um, for these for these people incarcerated. And finally, and probably most disturbing of all, um, History.com cites that the act raised the amount of African-American nonviolent drug incarcerations, as said before. So, for instance, in 1980, before the act was passed, um, there were uh, 50,000 African-American incarcerations, while in 1970, 1997, uh, well after, well, 11 years after the act was um, established, there were 400,000 African-American uh, incarcerations related to drugs. So um, there was obviously a spike um, because, because of the, uh, quote, because of Nixon's, um, you know, quote that, uh, you know, the 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 war on drugs was was so imminent and um, the public enemy number one. So because of this um, kind of prevalence of of the issue and and the need for it to be enforced, um, this led to a disproportionate and unfair. Um, amount of black arrests, um, which kind of makes up for the numbers that, you know, of, of imprisonments that they face. So, um, you know, in conclusion, it's pretty evident that this act unfairly and unjustly targets African Americans and African American communities. Um, and what we need to do, and this is what I want to do, is repeal the act. It's so clearly unfavorable and wrong, and we need to do something about it. Um, you don't hear a lot of people talking about it, but I think, I mean, this this so clearly is a injustice in the in the criminal justice system. So, you know, call your senators, um, call state representatives, and tell them to repeal this act day after day after day um, because it's quite unjust. All right, so this is the more personal part of the podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking about kind of why I chose to talk about the Anti-Drug Abuse Act um, and why it was important to me. So firstly, I, I this year in history class, I kind of learned a bit about Reagan and, you know, just kind of how 
well um, respected he is. You know, he's some of my family members' favorite president. Um, he's, you know, has a pretty great temperament. You know, my dad even met him at one point. Uh, granted, he doesn't really like him anymore, but um, he met him at one point and, and even said that, you know, Reagan had this ability to make you feel like you were the only person in the world. So I had just kind of taken an interest in Reagan, even though I'm I'm not the hugest uh, Reagan fan in the world. But, you know, I figured I wanted to learn about what he did and and just kind of strengthen my argument on either why or why not uh, I liked him as a president. And um, obviously, in taking uh, Race in America, I've I've been able to learn a lot more about race relations and with with the George Floyd riots, um, it's really kind of hit more close to home than it would have um, even a couple weeks ago. So especially this topic, you know, talking about something that my parents grew up with, uh, you know, Reagan's policies and and just kind of how I haven't really heard a lot about this. And, and that's kind of why I chose to to research um that's why I chose to research the act of 86 and um yeah I I just uh I think it should be repealed I think the act is horrible um and I mean it's just horribly racist and and frankly I'm I'm not quite sure why you know Reagan is so well admired for you know, having passed an act like this. I, I understand the intent wasn't originally uh, racist, but Reagan didn't certainly didn't do a whole lot to help the African-American community, which is kind of why I picked it. And um, it's kind of important to me so I can, you know, argue that to to those around me who, who like Reagan a little more. Um, again, he's not he's not the worst president in the world. Um but he, he, he certainly isn't my favorite, so...